Have you ever wanted to go on an international trip with type 1 diabetes, but have been worried or scared to do so? Or maybe you're a parent of a child who wants to travel internationally. If that's the case, that can be terrifying. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was traveling a lot, and I'm sure my parents were very, very nervous, even if they didn't say anything. Welcome to Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you to build your stress management plan with type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and in this episode of the podcast, we're talking to Melissa. Melissa's son is headed off to Europe for the summer, and Melissa is worried about him. And she's also worried about herself and how she'll deal with life without him for those 10 days. Will she be checking a CGM? Will she be worried? Will she be in communication with him? Will she know what's going on? In this episode of the podcast, we talk about the sales or Melissa's mindset around letting her son go to Europe. We also talk about the hull of the boat and how to make sure that her son's diabetes management is solid before he goes and that it is a solid plan to follow if things go awry while he's traveling. If you're a parent of a child with type 1 diabetes or if you're someone with diabetes who wants to travel internationally, this episode is for you. Melissa, so glad that you're here with us today. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your situation? Great. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, my name is Melissa. I'm a mother of a 15, almost 16-year-old type di- uh, type 1 diabetic son. Uh, he's diagnosed just a little over two years ago in the midst of the pandemic. Um, so not only is it a challenge to uh, parent a teenage boy, uh, then you add in the diabetes on top of it, and it's extra complicated. Yeah. And so I hear that he is going on a trip this summer that you have agreed to let him go on. Tell us a little bit about a little bit about that trip and uh, what you're thinking and what your concerns are. Sure. Yeah. So he has been lured by a favorite high school English teacher to travel to Prague, Budapest, Vienna, and Munich for 10 days this summer without mom or dad. Um, so as the parent feeling a lot of anxiety and stress of the idea of him being 4,500 miles away um, without us there to help in an emergency or just sort of monitor the everyday ins and outs of traveling with diabetes. So tell me about his management right now. How is he doing with his management and how is he doing with his independence around monitoring his blood sugar, taking insulin, cutting carbs, all all that stuff? Sure. So if it was up to Andrew, he would be 100% independent. Um, as a 15-year-old and only two years into this illness, we feel like he needs a little bit more support. Um, he wears a Dexcom more often than not. Um, he occasionally goes on a like a one-week strike from wearing it. Uh, and then he does multiple daily injections. Um, for his meals at home, we provide him with the carb counts. And I'm very organized and type A about that. Uh, you know, down to one gram, I know how many carbs he's going to be fed. Um, When he's out on his own with friends or at work, um, he spins the dial on his quick pen and injects and hopes for the best. 
And how has that been going for him so far over the past two years? Any any challenges or any major highs or lows that have been concerning? Um, I would say for the most part, he he does an excellent job. Um, probably his biggest weakness is remembering that long acting um, injection at 930 at night. And then as the parent, it's the struggle. Do I remind him that he hasn't taken it? And um, or do I let him try to navigate that himself? Um, his A1C mm-hmm. is excellent. So our endocrinologist loves us. We're the model patient family. Um, so overall, I would say he does a, a good job in terms of counting carbs. He'll look at something and make a a wild guess, uh, whereas I would choose to use an app or a website and make a more informed guess. Okay. And what about um, at night? Does he Is he waking up? Um, during the night with his alarms and alerts for lows or highs? Or is that something that you're taking on? No, I, I can hear his alarm. His room is next to ours, but there's a bathroom in between them with a fan on in the bathroom and a noise machine in my room. I can hear his alarm <laughs> from his room. Um, okay. And we'll have to wake him to treat a low. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that, that's actually a little aside here. That's a common thing is I, I hear a lot from parents of teens who don't wake up for their low alarms um, at night. But then when they're away from their house, whether they're at a friend's house or at camp or wherever they are, magically that changes. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious, okay. do you think that that's the case for Andrew? Or do you think, think that he is um, not waking up and then because he knows that you'll be there for him, but when he's away that he could? Um. I would say he's had very few opportunities to um, test that skill. Um, okay. Yeah, we haven't gone out of town without him in the past two years. And he's just, you know, sort of in this post-pandemic time, he's only had a few sleepovers and his blood mm-hmm. sugars were fine those nights. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know if that's the case, but it's, it's just, it's I, I've, just, I've seen that as a theme in people that I've talked to is that magically when they're away from their parents, um, they, they're they able to wake up from mm. low and high alarm. So let, let, let's hope that's the case for, for him. I can hope. <laughs> yeah. So Melissa, tell me a little bit about your thinking in letting Andrew go on this trip. I think, I think it's awesome that you're letting him go and that he's able to do what you told me before we got on that he, you know, Yes, how are you going to pay for it? And he got a job right away and he saved up all the money that he needs. And so, um, but from your point of view, it sounds like you're a little torn about this uh, situation. You want him to go and experience life in Europe for the summer, for a couple of days this summer, but also you're a little worried that um, he's going to be on his own without your oversight. Yeah. So my husband and I really went back and forth on this. Um, You know, parents were invited if they wanted to join, but you know, what 16 year old wants their parents tagging around Europe with them. Um, And the bottom line for us was if he was any other child who didn't happen to have a diabetes diagnosis, we would let them go and not think twice about that decision. So we didn't think that it was fair for his diabetes to hold back um, the life experience. And it's also probably good preparation for when he leaves the nest to go to college. Um, All of that being said, I feel like I am not going to sleep for those 10 days, Um, you know, with worry of, is he remembering to do things properly? Is he dosing properly? What if there's an emergency and, you know, he needs medical care in a foreign country and I'm so far away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all those worries, I think, are really normal for a parent to 
to to think of think of all of the worst case scenarios and and right. really go there. So before we get dive into the coaching part, I'm curious. Um, have you thought about and discussed with Andrew a plan around how to how he's going to manage his blood sugars? How you're how how if and how you're going to communicate with him over the time he's gone? How and if you're going to monitor his blood sugars from afar? Um, you know what what is what's your thinking around that right now? So we did have some discussions when we agreed for him to go and made sure that we purchased um, uh, traveler's insurance that also allowed us to cancel up into the last minute contingent upon his personal management of his diabetes leading up to the trip. So that is to say, if, you know, he totally threw out management out the window, that we would have the authority to revoke the trip at cost to him. Um, we felt like that was fair. Um, his chaperone agreed to download the Dexcom app. So that way there will be an adult with him who will have access to those, uh, blood sugar numbers, especially the overnight alarms. Um, we've been trying some of the foods that we feel like he might try when he's abroad, um, pretzels and spetzel and, uh, (laughs) things like that, um, to kind of see how it goes. But again, being a teenager, you know, it's a, it's a one-time trial for him. Oh, I had the pretzel. I took some insulin. It worked out fine and move on. Uh-huh. Whereas me, I would be trying a pretzel each day and trying different doses. Um, my, my goal would be to not be checking his Dexcom while he's gone and leave that to him and, um, his chaperone. That's my goal. Okay. So, so you'd like to just be completely shut off or cut off from that information? I feel like having that information, even when he's in the same as I am, is sometimes mm-hmm. too much information, if that makes sense. So then you uh-huh. add in 4,500 miles and the ability to get to him. I feel mm-hmm. like having access to that update every three minutes would just be overwhelming and unhealthy for me. Okay. Yeah. And I'm glad that you recognize that for yourself is that that having that data, while helpful in some ways, is can be put an extra burden on you. I, I think back to yeah. the time when we didn't have C- CGM and or the ability to share share data and we did OK. Um, and so right. going back to those. And, 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 and I think it's important to remember to remember that, that that we know there's a long time where where CGM data wasn't available at all. And even when CGM data was available, we didn't have the ability to look at it. So, I think looking, I think look, uh, approaching it from that perspective is is good is a good thing for you. So, I want you to imagine for a minute that Andrew goes on this trip, and I'm confident that he will. Mm-hmm. Um, and he co- he comes back, um, safe and sound. Um, what would you consider to be a success, both from your point of view and, and your those ten days where he's away from you, as well as for him? In terms of his blood sugars, in terms of your and his anxiety, um, like what would be a what? What could you say is a successful trip for him? Um, a successful trip for Andrew would be not ending up in the hospital in Czechoslovakia. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it would be the ability to sleep while he's gone, okay. um, and not feel consumed with worry. Um, mm-hmm. To not be checking those numbers over which I can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't expect him to stay in range. I mean, we all know when, 
we're on vacation, even when it's the next state over from us, that's when blood sugars um, tend to get a little wonky. So I expect he'll have some highs. I expect he'll have some lows. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's fair to set those parameters. Um, Yeah. But but really that um, that he wouldn't end up in a hospital and that he would address those highs and lows to the best of his ability. And then for me, that I would find sleep and peace. Okay. So over the past two years, has he found himself in a hospital other than a diagnosis? If he was uh, in a hospital, a diagnosis? Uh, no. No, he has not. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's an important thing for you to remember. Um, yeah. as you're as you're working as you're thinking about your anxiety is that yes um, him being far away is definitely an anxiety provoking thing for you but what we know is that the best predictor of the, the uh, future behavior future incidents of diabetes is is the past and if, if he is able to manage his diabetes to a degree that's going to keep him safe um, you know, th- there's no reason why that can't happen and won't happen while he's um, on his European adventure um, and so I, I think that that's an important thing for for you to remember yeah. in this process is that um, and and also remember I, I don't mean to minimize um, you know decay or or severe lows by any means but um, they're 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 fairly hard to come by okay um, as long as long as as, as long as you're doing the, the the very basics so for example if he, especially if he is on um, MDI as as long as he t- I mean the the research shows. That as long as he's taking his long-acting insulin every day, and that's, I mean, that's, okay. I, know, I know that for, for you, that is a, a wild card, but as long as he's taking his, his long-acting insulin every day, the chances of him, go, the chances of him going into DK and being in trouble um, anywhere, what, Europe or, or the U.S., um, is very low because he has that background okay. insulin in his body. No, ma- no matter how, how high, no matter how high his blood sugar goes, um, having that, th- that basal insulin in his body will jet will almost always keep him safe. I don't want to say com- completely always, but, um, that, that is, that is the one thing that he, ha- that is, is critically important. If he doesn't take the, take, doesn't take his insulin every day, um, then that's where, the trouble can get in. Okay. Um, if he's using an insulin, if he's using an insulin pump, making sure that the insulin pump is obviously on, but also you know work, working correctly, and if it's not changing the site, is an important thing as well. So, um, and then and then of course treating lows. And I'm curious, does he does he feel his lows when he has them? He does if he's awake. Okay, but he's definitely in yeah. tune. And to say he feels his lows, I mean, he feels it before that alarm goes off. He so he is in touch with. Um, mm-hmm. the physical reaction, the physiological reaction that he has. Um, yeah. I've heard some diabetics, it will actually wake them from from sleep. And that mm-hmm. has not been his experience. Okay. And how, how low has he gone? Do you have any idea what, what his lowest number um, has been? Maybe in the upper 40s. Um, okay. So fairly, so fairly low. And I mean, okay. as a mom, as soon as, you know, that first tone goes off and I'm mm-hmm. up and in there with the straw in the juice box, like my husband still is, you know, mid snore. <laughs> he didn't, hasn't heard anything. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's of, the mom reflex. <laughs> yes. I, I totally understand. And I, I'm sure that he appreciates that. And, and I, and I want, and I, I don't want you stopping doing that. Um, but I also want to mention, as I as I had talked about before, that one of the reasons why, and this is all anecdotal, I don't have any data t- data to back this up. But when when I see teenagers who don't wake up for their lows, 
a lot of times my, my hypothesis is is that because it's because their mom mm-hmm. is is um it's so caring and i mean it's really it's really you know and you want to care for him and make sure that he's safe i mean so he knows that if he goes low in the middle of the night that mom will be there right and so i wonder i wonder if there might maybe a way for you to not necess- not stop that at all but kind of come to an agreement with him that that you will you know not be there right away Okay. Um, and and that's what and that's all. That's also why we, I think that we find that when kids are away from from home, whether on a trip or whether at a friend's house, that that doesn't happen. That, that they they tend to wake up because they know that mom is not or dad for that matter is not um, going to be um, there, and they know that and they they know intrinsically that it, it is something that they need to take care of. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I think I wonder if leading leading up to the trip, um, you can find some middle ground. And I think that, and I think a conversation with with Andrew would be really helpful in that case to okay. be able to, um, to 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 find that middle ground. Um, that, that's a great suggestion because my instinct is to treat immediately because I'm running the risk of it going even lower. Um, yeah. So I'm very willing to to give that a try. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I think that it's important to remember that certainly low blood sugar is something that you want to pay attention to, that you want to treat. Um, but, but I think two or three minutes, especially, especially. I mean, if he's dropping fast, um, you know, very, very quickly, and he's very low, then of course, like that, that needs treatment. But if he's, you know, if he's if he's hovering around sixty five and and not dropping, um, kind of giving mm-hmm. him that, giving him that time, monitoring him, um, could be helpful. And that, okay. that, and really making him aware that the responsibility is on him. You're there as a backup, but okay. um, but the responsibility is on him, and that and that will li- likely um, get him to a point where he is actually taking action on his own, taking and taking more responsibility for it. I mean, teenage boys. I I was one once. Um, <laughs> they like to, they like to sleep. They don't like to be woken up. Right. Uh, and uh, and so you know, any any excuse or any. Um, way that they can find find to not do that, especially if mom is going to be there to um, shove a ju- juice box in their face, um, they'll they'll take it. But given the other option, my my guess is, uh, without knowing Andrew, that he, that he will sum up up to the plate. But he has to be given that opportunity. Right, that's a great point. <laughs> um, I talk to people with type one diabetes every day, and every day is clear to me that people with T one D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose, and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. 
All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. What is their plan for communication with the chaperone, with um, his roommate? I assume he's going to have people in, in his room, um, both in terms of education, but also in terms of support for him um, to make sure that he is, um, you know, taking care of and that, and that he has the the physical, but also the emotional support that he needs need to take care of himself. Sure. So luckily the chaperone is a high school teacher. So he's already had Andrew in class. Um, has okay. had sort of the school-based um, education on what type 1 diabetes is. I plan mm-hmm. on giving him, you know, a lot of oral and written communication. Um, that mm-hmm. way he doesn't have to necessarily remember everything. Again, he'll have the Dexcom. He's agreed to download the Dexcom app and to carry a second set of supplies should Andrews okay. get lost or stolen or misplaced or what have you. Um, okay. Andrew's best friend is going on the trip. So um, I assume they'll be rooming together and the friend is already aware of Andrew's diabetes. Um, so he has that safeguard. Andrew is fiercely independent though. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. him having a conversation with Mason and saying, Hey, if my alarm goes off, wake me up. So. Um, that would probably be something worthwhile to discuss with Andrew as well to to alert who's ever going to be sharing the room with him of what it could look like at night. Well, and my guess is that if if Andrew's alarm goes off at night and Mason, even if Mason hasn't heard about it, Mason will hear about it and then Andrew will hear about it because right. Mason will be mad because <laughs> Andrew's alarm will it go off. So right. <laughs> it'll I mean, be so, a I new mean, alarm of course, sound no, for no, him. <laughs> Right, knowing what the alarm sounds like is going to be is is important. But I have a feeling that if if I was a teenage boy hearing my friend's alarm going off, I would you know be there trying to turn it off and get him up to take care of it. So right, Let's hopefully hope. that yeah. sort of ho- hopefully that sort of that that sort of peer pressure or peer uh, um, call, call it peer support can be helpful. And then in terms I of think that, um, oh, I was going to say in terms of no, Andrew communicating with us back here. Mm-hmm. We haven't discussed that. I haven't um, sort of navigated that yet. Um, whether he should be, you know, texting daily. Yes, I took my long acting or whether it just needs to be, you know, send me a text that you're having a good time. I don't I don't need to hear about diabetes mm-hmm. while you're on vacation. I honestly don't know the answer to that. OK, and I, I think that. I think that think, thinking through that for yourself and seeing what is most comfortable for you, as well as for Andrew, to make sure that he is feels supported, but also that you feel safe, um, is important. I don't think that it's appropriate. I don't think it's necessary for you to completely take be hands off. Uh, and, okay. um, and 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 in that I mean in that case, I, I'm just thinking out loud here, right? I'm thinking out loud right now, but I would not think it would be horrible for you um, as a safety check and as a safeguard to not not 
look at Dexcom all the time by any means, but maybe maybe just once a day. Okay. Um, you know, when you maybe when you when you wake up in the morning, look at a Dexcom and see what's been happening. So because you can tell if his blood sugars have been high all day, you know, really high, it's possible that you've got to take his long acting insulin. And that would be mm-hmm. a good um you know, a good check for you as long as long as you know yourself well enough to know that that's not going to cause you to keep on checking, checking, checking. Right. Um, but if you want to kind of see that without that one day snapshot to make sure that he did that, um I think that that would be appropriate for a 15 year old, um, in, in, you know, situation. Um, yeah. so I think that, that that's something that I would encourage you to think about. Um, I do want to say, I'm really happy that you said that you're, you don't expect him to be in range, um, mm. or all, all the time, all the time, especially in Europe. I mean, there's all kinds of new foods and adventures. He's going to be walking a lot, I'm sure, yeah. um, eating new things. And so giving, giving him that flexibility and, and setting yourself up for, for success in thinking what, about the expectations, um, you know, even if he's out of range in the, in the, t- in the 200s all the time for those 10 days, I think that it would be, that would not, not be an awful outcome. Um, remember that, you know, remember that high blood sugar is, is, you know, not something we want to have, but uh, inter- what we call intermittent high blood sugars. So like, you know, sp- little spikes or even a couple of days or even a week of high blood sugars, um, especially if, if, the, if there's a good reason for them, um, they're not going to cause any kind of long-term um, complications. The complications really come from high blood sugars over a long period of time okay. and long period of time, meaning, you know, months and years, um, not, not one week of um, of highs. I tell people all the time, you know, I, I go on vacation a couple times a year and on those vacations, I don't really pay attention to my blood sugars. I mean, I, I monitor them to make sure that I'm safe, but, um, I'm more interested in having a good time and, you know, eating good food than I am in with having blood sugars in range. Cause I know that when I come home, um, I will, I will, um, ratchet them down and they'll, they'll be back, um, where they need to be, but giving him that flexibility and also setting yourself up for that expectation of flexibility, um, I think will be really, really helpful. Um, and I feel like running high is a lot better than running low. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, I think the expectation of running high for him in Europe is actually a good thing because what we find is that when people are traveling, especially when they're in Europe and they're probably walking a lot um, or walking more than they're used to walking at home, mm. um, their blood sugars will tend to run lower because they, um, they're walking. And so the, just right. their body is not, not used to that sort of activity. And so, you know, if, even if he's under bolusing for food, um, not necessarily on purpose, but, or he's eating things that are sending his blood sugar high, that walking, generally speaking, will even it out. And you don't want him being probably too tightly managed while he's walking a lot, because um, that could, that, that could actually risk him going low. Um, point. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you about is what, is your plan or thoughts about um, just contingency for if he does, you know, lose his insulin or if he does, um, you know, need to go to the doctor. Um, I think it's important for you to have a plan for, uh, and for, for you to discuss the plan for him about what, what to do in those situations. Right. Um, so the, I would say the first stage of that plan is that the chaperone would have a second set of, supplies. So the extra insulin, okay. both the long and the short acting glucometer test strips, needles, and extra glucagon mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. that would, oh, and those items would always be separate from Andrew. Um, okay. And then again, that's why we, you know, paid extra to have the insurance. So that way he would have access to, um, 
you know, being taken to a hospital and then for us to mm-hmm. to travel over there if needed. Great. Yeah. And I think so it's just kind of the two and- extremes. I don't seem to have much of a middle ground plan, but. Well, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that my my sense is that you don't really need a, a middle ground plan. I mean, okay. always, you, luck, luck, luckily in Europe, um, insulin is easy, easily accessible and very inexpensive compared to what it is here in the U.S. Okay, so you can, you can in most countries, um, I'm not. I'm not familiar with and not certain about the ones he's going to. Germany, I think, is is for sure. You can walk into any pharmacy and buy a, a vial of insulin for about twenty dollars. Um, it's very, very okay. inexpensive. With and does not require a prescription. Um, I think that I think that sending him with a um with a letter, I mean, either from his doctor or that you write just outlining his management plan, you know, that he takes, you know, X number of X units of Traceba or whatever insulin he's taking per day. Um would be, would be helpful just in case he needs it for a doctor. Oh, that's a great um, idea. And then, la- and, and then la- lastly, I would recommend um, doing a little bit of research before he goes and knowing the names of the insulins that he takes that the equivalent that's sold in the countries he's going mm. to. Um, because, for example, um, if he's taking Novolog here, yes. um, in most, in most um, countries that's called something like Novo Rapid or something, it's not, not exactly Novolog. And so you want to be able to know what the equivalent of um, that insulin is in, in the country he's going to, in case you need to get it. Yeah, um, that's so brilliant. So there's no confusion as to, as to what is happening. Okay, thank you. So, yeah. So I think that, I mean, I think that really, you know, the focus here is on making a plan and, ha- and having the education that that he needs to be able to manage diabetes well, as well as your mindset to be able to, um, take a step back and to just you know say okay he's gonna have a good time the chance of something bad happening or something negative happening are are relatively low um and um that and that you'll be that he'll be in good shape yeah i i hope so i and i think <laughs> talking and planning always makes me feel better so <laughs> yeah all right well great well melissa thank you so much for joining me today and i hope this was hel- a helpful conversation it was very helpful thank you so much for your time i appreciate it you're welcome Each week, I give you a plan of action for today's episode that you can use in your life type of diabetes starting today. And your plan of action from today's episode is stop and think. As I mentioned to Melissa, one of the biggest predictors of future behavior and future diabetes management is the past. And so Melissa was concerned that her son would have trouble in Europe. But the reality is over the past two years, He's been managing his IBs fairly well. He hasn't had any severe highs or severe lows and has not ended up in the hospital. And so what I encourage most of you to do is to think back on those times of his good management and see that as a prediction of how he's going to manage his diabetes while he's in Europe. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Next time you're worried about the future with diabetes, think back to the past and ask yourself, is there evidence from the past that should make me worry about the future? And if there is, take action. But if there isn't, recognize that you're worried, but also recognize that in the past, things have been just fine. And most likely in the future, with the same care and management you've had from the past, and most likely in the future, with the same care and management that you've had in the past, you're going to be just fine. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you could have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. 
and I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.